when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job, and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's gotta work, man. We gotta know and understand that it's gotta be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it, it was like, <laughs> like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming, and we ain't backing down. It's time for Carolina football. Let's get the fuck out of your seats. Spurs up. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast presented by my bookie. I'm Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, boy, man, we've got some good stuff on this episode. (laughs) We got Mike Leach making damn siren sounds. We got Lane Kiffin. It kind of sounds like he's saying Alabama's paying the players. We got a lot going on, buddy. How you doing? Oh, it's going good, man. I'm ready, you know. Hey, flush the week. If you got a loss, it's okay because we got a new week coming up, and that's what we're going to get into, Mike. So uh, I'm I'm pumped up. I'm ready to get into it. Well, hey, before we go around the league, I teased it right there. Mike Leach, you know, we're not going to talk a bunch of Mississippi State on this show. We're going to save that for tomorrow's show. But, hey, we like to start with something weird and funny if we can. Coach Leach, during his presser here on Monday, was talking about the the air raid siren First, mm-hmm. he tried to make the sound with his voice. And then he <laughs> borrowed some, uh, you know, one of his staffers' phones so he could actually play it. Uh, let's kick it over to Coach Leach. We just, at this point, we just never know what we're going to get with this uh, crazy bastard. And it's going to be loud. So if you're listening to this 5 o'clock in the morning, you may want to turn it down a little bit because <laughs> Coach Leach ain't holding back. Loud as could be because it's echoing off those walls. What? What? You know, so it goes, you got it. Okay, here we go. See, I'm going to get my grandkids one of these things so that they can, uh, you know, my daughter and her husband... They need to hear this because I went through years of random noises and rambunctiousness and broken toys and, that, and broken glass. Now, I think my favorite part of this <laughs> clip shade, I mean, he's playing this loud horn and then he starts trying to talk over it. 
I mean, wait till the <laughs> horn is done and then start your shouting. But hey, that's Coach I don't Leach. Even know, I have no idea what he's even saying. I listened to this this clip for like fifth. I've, I've probably listened to it fifteen times, and it's like toys and something about breaking the glass. And I'm just like, where is he going with this? I, you know, just, just play the panic siren, you know, get that over with, but this is what you signed up for guys. <laughs> and you know what I thought that was the funniest thing, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of people that, uh, obviously we take, you know, the sec football, we, we follow it, we cover it, we talk about it nonstop, but man, so many people online I was, I saw, they were like, my God, could you imagine your coach acting like this after a loss, like like the guy's supposed to just, you know, go into a ditch and, and bury himself because they lost a game. But hey, that's Mike Leach, man. He if you yep. if he's too worried about what happened on Saturday, he's not going to be prepared on Monday for practice. So you know, this is like you said, this is kind of what you're getting into with Coach Leach, and he's not going to carry these losses. And if you're a Mississippi State fan, he's going to have your team prepared. But I don't think it's going to, you know, losing one game is not going to roll into like a second week you know what I mean like he's flushed right. that thing he's gone to the next week absolutely and and again I don't think there's a lot of people upset about Mississippi State right now do you I mean they were fifth in the west last year you know at the end of the day they're going to be mad because they lost to Arkansas but you're one and yeah. one after two games that's exactly what you thought you'd be heading into the season mm-hmm. you just reversed the order you thought you'd lose to yeah. LSU and beat Arkansas flipped it around and hey if nothing else I think it just says that uh, you got to take every game in the SEC seriously that's what we've been saying all offseason and Arkansas just went out there and proved it yeah, absolutely all right Shane hey before we go around the league real quick you know we like to do this the SEC announced the kickoff times for two weeks ahead not the week we're currently in obviously but uh, they've announced the kickoff times for the following weeks so we're going to run down that real quick and we got two noon games Auburn at South Carolina and Kentucky at Tennessee. Now they've not assigned which one of these is going to be on ESPN and which one's going to be on SEC Network. They're going to decide those later. Uh, after Saturday's games, they'll decide those. Uh, and then, believe it or not, Shane, there's no CBS 3:30 game. Mm-hmm. A little flex. Yeah, yeah. We flexed that. We flexed it, but we do have a 3:30 Eastern time on ESPN. This is going to be a hell of a game. LSU at Florida. Looking forward to that matchup. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss at Arkansas. Also at 3:30. That's going to be on ESPN two. And then at four o'clock on the SEC Network, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the night games: Vanderbilt, Missouri. 7.30 Eastern on SEC Network. And then finally, the game we've all been waiting for on CBS. They're getting the night game. Georgia at Alabama, 8 o'clock Eastern. And, man, just talking about that game. I want to mm-hmm. want to dive right in. But, hey, <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. It's, it's Georgia-Tennessee week. But every week we do this, man. These are just an incredible slate of games, and that's why we're loving this SEC 10-game slate. How about you? I'm I'm with you, man, because it's like, you know, we're all pumped up about this schedule, but then, you know, when that week's going and you're talking about the following week's schedule, we're going to be doing the same thing. Like, oh, damn, that's going to be a great game. You know, it's going to be a great slate of games. So uh, I love this. I love the flex at night. You know, I think that's going to be fantastic. Don't get me wrong. The 330 game is obviously prime time, but 
This is something about night games that you just love, especially if they can come down to the wire. And I think these two teams, there's a good chance of that happening. So that's awesome. Florida LSU, that game's always, always tight, always close. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one as well. And ESPN gets a little taste of that 3.30 slot too, you know? So mm -hmm. that's just a preview of things to come. So I, I'm pumped up, man, about that week. I'm pumped up about this week. I'm pumped up because it's SEC football full. I mean, it's just every week, Mike. I love it. Yeah, well, let's reel it back into the week we're in. You ready so to go excited. around the league? <laughs> yeah, let's do it, man. <laughs> now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. At Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, the game that I think you and I are most interested in seeing, let's start right here in Athens. Oh, dog, sick him. Kirby Smart, his Georgia program is going to host Tennessee. This is going to be a measuring stick game for the Tennessee Vols, and Georgia's got a lot of bad blood. You know, heading into this one, we all know the Cade Mays saga and everything that that's probably done to pump up this rivalry. And, you know, obviously Tennessee and Georgia on different planes at times in recent years, but they're getting closer and closer together. So Georgia's got a you know, they've really got to keep that separation and they've got to do it on Saturday. But, uh, you know, I was just on a podcast here and they asked me, you know, what's the critical matchup that you'll be looking at going into this matchup? And I think it's a little too easy to say Jarrett Garantano. I mean, that's going to be critical, obviously, of how well he plays against this Georgia defense. So I'm going to take it a step further, Shane. The key matchup, I think, in the entire game, Tennessee's relatively inexperienced receivers going up against Georgia's elite secondary. I think Georgia's going to stack the box, make Garantano and these receivers win one-on-one -on -one battles. And I'm not saying they can't do it, but I certainly would favor Georgia in that matchup. So what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, man. I think that's a big part of it, but you know, I was watching that game last week uh, with Tennessee and uh, Mizzou, and mm -hmm. I thought the biggest concern for me was the lack of pressure on the quarterback. Here we had an inexperienced quarterback uh, come in for Mizzou, and, you know, there was times we got a little pressure, a little move in the pocket, but for the most part, he was able to sit back there and pick apart our secondary. And I was just wondering, you know, with – with a team like Georgia, we're going to have to orchestrate some other types of pressure. I just, I think we've got a good rush defense. I think we've got a good defensive front, but it's just as far as, you know, making Stetson, you know, nervous or anxious back there in the pocket. I'm just wondering what, 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 uh, you know, coach is going to dial up for him. That's my biggest concern. 
Mm-hmm. Now, all right, let's skip it over to uh, Kirby Smart, who met with the media here on Monday. He had a lot to go, go into this one. He talked, obviously, about Cade Mays and Jeremy Pruitt's comments here in the offseason. Tennessee's offensive line. His, I thought his comments on Jeremy, or excuse me, Jared Garantano, maybe Shane will start warming up to old JG. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, there, I thought this was a good comment on Tennessee and why they're a better team than even Auburn at this point. Kirby, um, obviously, Cade Mays played with you guys uh, last in the Sugar Bowl. D- did you have a sense then he was planning to transfer? And, and what do you think of him coming to play Georgia now w- with Tennessee? No, I didn't have a sense then. I thought Cade's done a tremendous job for us. Got a lot of respect for Cade as a player and a, a person. And, uh, you know, that's really all I can say about it. He's no longer with us. So, um, looking forward to the matchup. He's a really good football player, one of the toughest players that I've been around. And uh, looking forward to the matchup. And with the waiver that the uh, the conference gave to uh, you know several players that, that were uh, waiting for that, um, what were your thoughts just just about that? That's a commissioner decision. Yeah, Kirby, uh, you, you mentioned your relationship with Jeremy Pruitt and how far back you go. I just wonder with the um, accusations of toxic environment and him saying not the healthiest of environments uh, for, for Cade Mays, using that in their uh, uh, attempts to get the waiver. Did you have any discussions with Jeremy or has that impacted your relationship with Jeremy? Not really. I know coaches in the SEC will do anything they can to get guys eligible, and that's that's their decision. Uh, Coach, um, I think it's fair to say that um, this is going to be the most experienced offensive line your team has faced. Just how much better are they this year? What kind of battle are you expecting with your defensive front? Well, I, I, mean, I thought they were a really good offensive line last year. They're well coached. Will Friend, who worked here for a long time, is a tremendous O-line coach. He does a great job. That combined with uh, Coach Chaney, who's got a lot of experience uh, coaching offensive football and as well as uh, offensive lines. He's done a tremendous job. But he and Will put together a physical run plan. They always do. They're going to find ways to run the ball. They're committed to the run, um, in which you've got to be in the SEC. And uh, they got some good players up there. So a lot of these guys played last year. So the addition of Cade, they've got, I mean, really five returning starters when you look at it. Uh, yeah, Coach, can you just talk about uh, Jared Carantano? I think this is the first year their quarterbacks had the same uh, coordinator two years in a row. Can Have you noticed the difference in Jared's play this season? I, you know, I've always had an immense amount of respect for Jared. He, he plays the game the right way. He is tough. You know, he, he played uh, some games when it was tough, when they didn't have as good an offense line up front early on. They're a lot better now. So I think he's reaping the benefits of a better offensive line, a commitment to the run game, and he's, he's played really well. I mean, you look at the, 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 the bowl game, he led a tremendous comeback. Uh, he's been through the trials and tribulations. He's had ups and downs. He's played, you know, at Alabama in a game that I thought he played well in. I mean, he's, he's done a lot of good things. I got a lot of respect for him. Anybody that plays quarterback – as long as he has in our conference, has earned it. Coach, you had mentioned in our postgame show with Chuck that you thought that Tennessee was better than Auburn at this point. What makes them better than Auburn right now? Well, I, I think the experience they have uh, along the fronts. You know, when you look at a defensive line and an offensive line, I, I really believe that's where the game starts because – you know, there's nothing easier than being able to – if you're able to run the ball, it makes the game easier. And when you can't run the ball, it makes the game difficult. 
And that's all based on your offensive line and their defensive line. Now, it's not to say there's not some offensive line out there that's got great pass pro and the team can throw it for 600 yards and never have to run the ball and be successful. That, that does exist. LSU broke that norm, and it wasn't that they couldn't run it. They didn't have to run it last year. Um, but when I start with Tennessee, I say they have a commitment to the run. They're physical on the offensive line. They've got a deep offensive line. They've got big people on the defensive line. They've got experience. They've got big people. They're physical up front. So when you start with those two, they're just ahead right now of, of where Auburn is, I mean, in terms of that. All right, Shane. So, you know, my, my main question I wanted to ask you after hearing these comments from Kirby, are you buying his comments on Tennessee or is this – you know, we he had it last week. Auburn's the best team we faced. <laughs> now Tennessee's the best team we faced. Just Kirby's blowing smoke here. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this is coach speak. I you know I tried to I tried to buy into it. And like, oh man, maybe he's you know. But no, no, you're right. It doesn't matter who they got next week because they're going to be the best secondary they have ever seen. Or that you know, it's just that's that's just what Kirby does and. Uh, you know, so don't don't read those press clippings, boys. You you got a you got a tough road ahead of you here, and Kirby knows exactly what's coming to town, and he's not gonna. You know, I, I didn't expect him to venture away from this, and I mean, he went in detail about Garantano, you know, being able to last this long in the SEC. What kind of stat is that, Mike? Just because you've been there forever, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, you know, you can't. So I don't know. Maybe I'm. Well, I'm I think what he, I think what he's trying to say is you're just not gonna. You know, because he had it in Jake Fromm last year. You're just not going to really fool the guy. You know what I mean? Like, and you're and he's you're not mm-hmm. going to phase him. Being on the road in Athens is not going to phase him. You know, this defense is not going to phase him. He's seen everything. That doesn't mean he's just going to go out there and be gangbusters or anything. But I don't know. I think there's something to be said for that because at the same point, here's something also I was thinking of. You know, I, you and I both have never been terribly high in Garantano and saying like he's the best quarterback in the, in the SEC or anything. And I certainly think we will, we still agree on that, but if there's a quarterback mm-hmm. in this game, that's going to get exposed. I think it's going to be Stetson Bennett because I mean, Garantano, if he goes out there and throws three picks, I don't think we're really going to be that surprised, you know, but if yeah. Stetson Bennett, maybe he, maybe he, you know, fumbles the ball or has a bad pick or or anything or or just a a sequence of bad plays I mean I could certainly see him going into the tank because hell we've only seen him play about a game and a half here no no, I get it and and that's the thing you've got to you're gonna have to rattle him and Mm -hmm. I I just hope that this defense is gonna have that ability because everything at Georgia has shown me is that they have potential to control any game that they're in. And, and and that's what worries me a little bit, mainly because defense, this isn't a team you can afford to get behind on. Uh, when Georgia gets the lead, they're going to sit on it and they're going to run the ball and they're going to eat the clock and they're going to, that's, they're, that's what they're going to do. They're going to play Kirby ball. And so I, I just hope that it doesn't get in a shootout. And uh, I hope that, you know, if they can get some pressure, get some turnovers, then yeah. I mean, any games can be a game, you know, we Mississippi state shown that, you know, going down there to uh, LSU. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the, the matchup. I'm excited uh, the most about the trenches, and that's something that Kirby did hit on, and and I think it's true. I th- I think this is going to be the best offensive line that that Georgia has faced, but this is also going to be the best 
defense that that Tennessee has faced. So, I mean, it, it is literally going to be the clash of Titans down there in the trenches. And it's going to be exciting to watch. And whoever wins, wins this game, Mike. I, I guarantee you that. If you can control that 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 line of scrimmage, then either team is just going to keep running the ball and running the clock out. And that's just their game. That's the nature of their their offense. All right, well, let's skip it over to the other side. Let's jump on down to Rocky Top. Balls are back. And before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we plays as. And, hey, before we get into, you know, anything Jeremy Pruitt said or the matchup there, I wanted to float this your way. Now, I didn't hear this clip. I, I tried to find it, couldn't find it online, but this comes via Jason Swain, friend of the show, said uh, Mark Richt, obviously the former Georgia coach, was at the Knoxville Quarterback Club, and he made this comment when he recruited uh, Jabari Davis, another friend of the pod here, former Tennessee running back, was one of the top prospects in the nation coming out of high school. Uh, Apparently, Jabari, when he told Mark Richt, you know, he was going to Tennessee, Mm -hmm. here's what he told Mark Richt, Tennessee competes for national championships, and Georgia competes for conference championships. I'm going to Tennessee, so oh, oh my god! I'm just trying to throw some fuel on that fire, baby. Because <laughs> uh, you know it's funny the reaction to that Georgia fans are. You know they they've gotten mad saying Tennessee doesn't play for anything, but mm-hmm. hey, I just thought I'd, I'd add some fuel to that fire there. But uh, I thought that was funny that uh, you know these recruiting battles twenty years later. I mean these coaches still still remember <laughs> you know the, the comments these guys made to them. It's it's incredible, but. It's awesome. And then if you're a fan of Twitter, if you're a fan of either one of these teams, it's like, it's the same argument over and over and over again. You know, it's Georgia showing the past times they've kicked our ass. And then it's Tennessee shooting a 1980 tweet to them. You know, it's just just back and forth, you know? So, but that's, that's what signed up. And I love it because this has over the years, this has gotten, I don't know. It, it, it didn't seem more like a rivalry in the past and, and it feels closer and closer ever since the, the hobnail boot, you know, the, these two teams hate each other. And that was the toughest loss I've ever been to, man. I was at that game when, when, uh, when Georgia beat us there at the very end, I was, uh, you know, it, that one crushed me, crushed my spirit. But then, you know, you watch the hell Mary down there in Athens. There's mm-hmm. just, th- there's a lot of good games that come from these. And even when, when Pruitt first got here, you know, he, he found a way to play Georgia tight and close and, and a couple of mistakes. So look for this game to come down to the wire. And if I'm not mistaken, there's, there is photo evidence of Shane. I don't know if he's riding the bulldog, if he's humping the bulldog. I mean, I know that's out there, but no comment. <laughs> getting back to this game though. I, you know, I wanted to ask you this. Wait, 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 wait. All right. I do want to, I do want to uh, interject there. A lot of people just heard Bulldog and Shane humping. That's not that's not what happened here. Uh, down in Athens, they've got this big statue Bulldog, and uh, they may have multiple ones of them, like Tennessee does with Smokey. But yeah, there was uh, we, we the boys. You know, we were making fun of the Bulldog and doing our thing, and uh, and yeah. So I apologize for for your statue there you know i didn't put anything on it or anything but it was just it's just in the moment we had a good time so but anyway tennessee's got an eight game winning streak we all know we're all very aware of the stats yeah. but people also quick to point out you know not 
really a signature win there. I mean, there's some solid wins or several SEC wins. And Jeremy Pruitt, during his tenure, while it is brief, while you know he took over a messy situation against these games against Florida, Georgia, Alabama, they've been nothing but damn routes here. So I know, you know, I'm not trying to put Jeremy Pruitt's feet to the fire or anything here, but I'm just wondering how bought in you are, Shane, given the fact that, uh, you know, we're still, I don't want to say it's anything like Jimbo Fisher because that's a little bit different animal, but hell, Jimbo's still searching for that signature win. So is Pruitt. Mm -hmm. How much longer can he keep getting blown out in games like this? I mean, do they need to be, does Tennessee need to be competitive, I guess, is the answer I'm, I'm asking you here. Well, I think they need to be competitive, but I, I think it's weird because we're expecting it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like we're we're hoping we can hang with the Georgia Bulldogs like we had in years past. We're we we feel like I'm I, I'm just telling you the pulse of the of the East Tennessee right now is that they that they should be here, that this is the time. You know that coaches. You know this is his third year. This is the this is when you're starting to see the results of all that hard work that they put in. And we're sitting here at two and zero. We, we had a, a great win against Mizzou. Uh, it was sloppy against South Carolina, but we still found a way to win. So, yeah, Tennessee feels like they should be there. So if they come out and this thing turns into a, an absolute garbage show and, and Georgia runs away with it, then I think we'll be upset, but I don't think we're going to want to fire Coach Pruitt for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I just think that um, there's going to be a lot of fans around the SEC just kind of question or I think they're kind of expecting Tennessee to fall flat on their face. And I don't even think that has mm-hmm. anything to do with this Tennessee team. I think it's just Butch Jones, Derek Dooley and, and everything that came before it. And again, that's not on Pruitt, but it's kind of one of those deals where they got to, you know, we've got to see it. We've got to see him be competitive in one of these games and, and take it into the fourth quarter and, and not but, completely unravel. But then you, you think about games like, the Alabama game last year that easily could have been a victory for the Tennessee Vols. And, you know, I I thought the Georgia game, there was just, there was a few breaks that went against them and, and then they kind of spiraled a little bit toward the end, but still they hung in there. The, I, I think the last game we truly were not competitive was the Florida Gator game, but, you know, that was early in the season, and I think these guys have grown up since then. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I just – I think Tennessee – Tennessee's got some talent on this roster, uh, and they haven't had all their pieces yet. Hopefully they'll have all their pieces come this uh, Saturday. It seems like, you know, every week they've got a few players that are being held out. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're coming together at the right time, and – and uh, they're going to need it because I'm telling you, if Georgia plays remotely like they did against Auburn, I mean, there's one of the toughest teams to beat, man. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt, who talked about uh, Tennessee's jumbo package on Stetson Bennett, what he's seen from him on Georgia's outstanding defense. And then he hits on uh, these receivers for Tennessee, the guys really needing to step up this week against the Bulldogs. Jeremy, you went to that jumbo package on offense early and often in that first half and continued on throughout the game. After going back and reviewing uh, that package on offense, what did you like? What did you not like? And is this something that uh, we should expect moving forward this season? Well, I felt like the way, um, you know, Missouri plays defense, it probably gave us the best opportunity to 
ensure that we would have a chance to block everybody in the box for them. You know, they really put a lot of guys up there and it gave us the best opportunity Saturday. So we'll pick and choose how we use it as the season goes on. Uh, Jeremy, the, the heavy package you guys have been using, one, what do you guys call it? And two, whose idea was that? Where'd that come from? Well, Jim's been doing this for a long time. So obviously it's his idea. Uh, what we call it, I have no idea. Uh, the name that we use um, might be 12 heavy. I don't know. Coach, have you had a chance to look at Georgia's Stetson Bennett yet and how different uh, or what he brings to the table for the Bulldogs? Well, um, he obviously um, is a smart young man. Uh, you can see him getting in and out of plays. He moves wide receivers. If they, they've got somebody that they can't block on the perimeter, he gets them in position, um, gets the ball out of his hand, uh, doesn't take sacks, um, you know, plays with confidence. Uh, got a lot of respect for him, you know, um, by the way he's played in the two games that he's come in. Uh, and you can see that um, – his teammates have confidence in him also. Coach, Georgia really got after Bo Nix and Auburn and, and had great success at the line of scrimmage defensively. What do you see in them that makes them so good defensively, especially getting after the quarterback? Well, it starts with having good players. Uh, they've got good players. Um, they're very multiple uh, with their schemes. Um, they, they do a really nice job playing man-to-man. -man. They denied the ball. Uh, they mix in uh, a lot of different looks. Uh, so you gotta, you got to protect the quarterback. you got to be able to establish a run game a little bit to take pressure off the quarterback. Um, and, you know, you got to be able to throw and catch the football. And it's going to be tight windows. It always is against teams that play good defense in this league. Um, you know, I've said it many a times, uh, you know, you're, you're the, the, the defensive backs – place the limitations on the defense. They've got good defensive backs, uh, and, and they put a lot of pressure on them. Hey, Coach, you were just saying that you didn't really like how your players, your receivers played against man defense. How big of a concern is that going into Saturday against a team that plays as much man and as effectively as Georgia does? Well, it, it, it's, uh, I believe it's a challenge for them, uh, you know, because they will, they will get man coverage, not only this week, uh, every week in this league, right? It's the way this league is. Uh, the windows are very small. There's very little zone coverage. It's tight windows, and you got to be able to separate, and you got to be able to make contested catches. All right, Shane. So I know you're very partial to this uh, offensive line and calling it the TVA. Mm -hmm. I've also heard the Pancake Pantry. <laughs> and apparently they've got a seven offensive lineman package that – weighs just over 2,000 pounds, so it's literally a ton. <laughs> How often do you expect to see this uh, TVA pan pancake pantry unit here against Georgia's defense? I mean, can Tennessee just kind of muck up the game and just kind of out-physical Georgia? Do you think that's going to be the game plan? Uh, well, I I'm sure it's going to be their challenge, and, you know, I think there's a lot of storylines coming from this line mainly because of, you know, Cade Mays mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the, the, like I said, and, and a lot of people, you know, everybody's talking about Trey Smith and, you know, Trey Smith is great. He's, he's a first rounder, no doubt about it, but you know, there's one, you Morris. I, I think that's another easy, you know, top, that could be a first rounder. 
I mean, just the way he's coming on is still young. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of talent up front for sure. Um, but I mean, that's going to be the storyline coming in this game, but I don't think that's going to be the storyline after. I think it's going to come down to who's smart with the ball. I think it's going to be turnovers. I think it's going to, uh, whoever had the best breaks go their way. I think that's what this game's going to come down to. So talk more about this game for sure this week is a huge game but uh, we got to kick it all down to wait real quick on Ooh. the georgia i did I, yeah i want to reel it back real quick uh, i if georgia does struggle not saying they will mm -hmm. you know that's just wishful thinking but how, how far along are you hearing anything about jt i mean how how short is that leash is is this something that he could easily pop in or is this is this uh the mailman's gig right now I think you got to go with the hot hand, man. You got to go when your quarterback's got a nickname. You got to you got to roll with them. You know what I mean? I mean, JT might be the savior, or whatever. But um, until he's, I mean, it was just so bizarre that whole deal where he's not cleared. Now he's cleared. I mean, and keep in mind he had surgery in January. So what really changed in the last week? I wonder if that's more of a more of a bluff. I don't know, but yeah, we got the mailman delivering W's here. I think you ride with him. The man's that's probably the best line you've used in a long time, Mike. When he's got a nickname, <laughs> you roll with it. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, let's kick it all down to Oxford where miss. My goodness, Shane, we may have had the most epic uh comment here of the SEC season. And we'll mm -hmm. get to that in just a second here. But Lane Kiffin's group, I mean they're coming coming in hot. Matt Corral, depending on uh, what metric you use, I've seen like the ESPN metrics, I think, rate him as the number one quarterback in the nation. I think that's a little going too far, but he has been outstanding. There's no doubt about it. And all of a sudden, the SEC heading into the year, we were wondering, you know, how many good quarterbacks are there actually going to be? Starting to look mm -hmm. like a quarterback friendly league now. And a lot of that has to do with how well Matt Corral's playing and Mac Jones, the quarterback matchup we got in this thing but uh you know obviously the the big storyline Nick Saban now 20 and 0 against his former assistants and uh, there's clearly some bad blood here I would say between Kiffin and Nick Saban hell uh, he fired the guy a week of the national <laughs> championship game but uh mm -hmm. how bad does does Lane Kiffin want to be the one to end that streak and give Saban his first uh loss at, from a former assistant uh, without a doubt, this is his rivalry. And, and I know it's funny because we're talking Ole Miss. You think Mississippi State. It's it's not for I – don't, I don't think so right now mm -hmm. for Coach. He's got, he's got one guy circled. And, you know, honestly, he probably wants his job uh, when it all boils down to it. If, if he can prove that he's the guy mm -hmm. that can beat Nick Saban, you know, that's just looks so much better on his resume just, you know, because when that job opens up – you know, maybe they go go. I think that's when I think of Lane Kiffin. I think he's got a plan. He's he's you know he's got a goal. And right now, beating Alabama is his number one priority. Mm. Well, that's an interesting way to fit that narrative. I think uh, I think you may be onto something. But hell, Lane Kiffin may have just uh, ended any chance he ever had of <laughs> being a welcome back in Tuscaloosa. Let's kick it over to him. He talked about uh, whether he kept in touch with Nick Saban after he left for FAU on if uh, working for Nick Saban, if you know he's got any kind of advantage there. 
on the message to the defense after Ole Miss was getting smoked by Alabama the last couple games. And then here's the key one. We saved it for the very end. Pay very, very close attention. Lane Kiffin was talking, asked about a player opting out on his team, and he found a very interesting way to twist that towards Alabama. I assume the answer is not often now that you're back in the SEC, but when you were at Florida Atlantic, did you stay in touch with Coach Saban much with looking for nuggets of wisdom, or did that relationship kind of end after you left Alabama? Yeah, that's not really his wheelhouse. Not really, you know, sending out some texts every once in a while, just checking on you. So, uh, no. And um, obviously, you know, the, the Saban deal, we, we've talked about it a couple times here, but what, like, does your experience with him, how does that kind of play a role in this game? Since you worked with him for a couple of years, is that kind of uh, an advantage for you, or, you know, does it really not make much of a difference? Well, all these people that say it's an advantage because I worked with him, um, you know, and so uh, I don't really understand that because um, he's 20-0 and 0 against coaches that worked for him. So if you working for him gives you an advantage, uh, it's, <clears throat> you're not a very good gambler then, uh, you know, if that's what you say because 20 no is a pretty strong record. Lane, you just hit on that. I wanted to ask you about uh, Nick's record against uh, his former assistants. What, what did you take from that? Uh, he's obviously uh, put some very uh, strong assistance into the head coaching field. Well, I kind of make of it, <clears throat> he knows them too. Everybody says, well, they know him. He, he knows the assistants, you know. So I think it goes both ways. And, and really, what, <clears throat> except for Ole Miss, really, those two times and, and a few, you know, Iron Bowls, he, he's kind of 100% against everybody else, really, um, you know, until, until, until you get to Clemson in the playoffs. So, um, you know, he's 100% he's against a lot of coaches in schools. You kind of touched on this earlier, but 66 points, 62 points, 59 points the last three times Ole Miss played Alabama. What do you say to the defense to kind of reverse that mentality and make them believe they can uh, limit them a little better than they have the last couple of years? Well, that's a great question. Um, every year is new. Every year is different. But, you know, we got to play better. We've got to limit explosive plays, keep the ball in front of us. Um, because now they got another receiver I didn't even heard of that just went for 150 that runs by everybody. So um, I thought there were two. Now there's three. So um, we got to find a way because no one else is no one else is finding a way for a while. Lane, just along those lines, we know Dante Evans, uh, the linebacker, left the team for some personal leave a few weeks back. Has he returned, and what is his status? He is not. Um, he opted out. So, um, it is what it is. I mean, I don't know how Alabama did this. It's you know, it's amazing. Coach did a great job of somehow keeping these guys happy and you know, not feeling that they needed to get ready for the draft with all these first rounders. And so, these guys around the country opting out, but none of the Alabama guys. So, coach must have had a great plan. All right, Shane, I couldn't believe it <laughs> when I heard this. I was like, did he say that? And then I tweeted it out. And, hell, even Lane Kiffin, the man himself, retweeted me so you know <laughs> there's some extra legs to this thing. But, I mean, this is like – this was masterfully crafted in such a way where he's not saying Alabama's cheating, but he's kind of saying Alabama's cheating, <laughs> isn't he? Well, well, you know, 
when I first heard it, I took it a different way, Mike, mm -hmm. that he is pulling a string that, that these guys are so brainwashed right now that, you know, they're just, I mean, cause we've talked about this in other podcasts that, that Saban's got these guys convinced that if they work together as a team, they're going to compete for a national championship and they're going to win it. That's what, that's the goal. And, you know, you heard a lot of this, a lot of that coming out when we were thinking if, you know, SEC may not play, mm -hmm. these guys wanted that opportunity. So I was leaning more like, this was him planting a seed in these guys' minds that if something doesn't go right or if there's an injury on the team and it's an eye-opener that says, hey, I am going to be a first-rounder. What am I doing here? You know, it just right. it, that's what it felt like to me is like this just laying just through a little, little grenade in the locker room, you know, or, you know, it's a slow grenade. It's not like, well, it's like, it's just, it's just easing out poison in the locker room right now. And, and, and the seed has been planted. So that's, that's what's going on in my mind because there are a lot of teams that have been affected with opt opt outs and Alabama is not one of them, mm -hmm. but it's also one of those schools or one of those locker rooms that we pass with one goes, they, they all go, you know, uh, with, remember the Tua situation, is he coming back or not? You know? Mm -hmm. And then, and then it was like, all of a sudden he's like, you know what? We're going to the NFL. So if, if he could get one of them to convince, <laughs> you know, the others that they no longer want to play time, want to just focus on the draft. Then I think that was the plan all along. Of course I may be, am I off? I don't know, man, but uh, that's interesting. <laughs> so I had to think that was such a that was so out of left field I had to think about it there for a second but hey you may be onto something if he can get these guys to opt out by Saturday Ole Miss may have a <laughs> may have a shot here I don't know I just you probably, I, sh <laughs> you probably should have said it earlier <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. hey Shay well before we move on let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by my bookie the online sports book head on over to mybookie.ag today all new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That means if you're a new customer to mybookie.ag and you put in the promo code THATSEC, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000. So you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. And we got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some, some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here, and the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross-sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at mybookie with that promo code that SEC. All right, well, let's uh, skip to the other side of this real quick. Uh, Nick Saban, Alabama, you know. We're... Roll Tide! What can you say about the Crimson Tide at this point? They're just rolling it all on all cylinders. And, uh, you know, one matchup, though, that I think is getting overlooked because I thought Kellen Mond had a fairly good day against Alabama secondary. Obviously, wasn't enough to make that a competitive game, but uh, there was a bust there. Yeah, I believe it was in the second quarter there of the tight end. And I don't think Missouri was really, you know, they had the quarterback or the receivers to challenge Alabama's secondary much. This is going to be a different animal here going up against Lane Kiffin, Matt Corral, John Rice Plumley, And 
Elijah Moore's got about as good a stats as any receiver in the nation. So I'm kind of interested to see how Alabama's secondary, which is featuring three new starters, how they hold up against this Ole Miss receiver core. I think that uh, that may be the kind of the key to the game for Alabama. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Sorry, I drifted there. That's right. <laughs> all right. Let's let's kick it over to uh, Coach Saban, who talks about Matt Corral and all the uh, outstanding quarterback play he's seen this year, and then on Mac Jones shaking off bad plays, uh, just his incredibly his, his incredible ability to do that. Uh, yeah, Coach, you, you look at Ole Miss and have obviously got a quarterback and a wide receiver and Elijah Moore who put up some big numbers, but kind of around the league, you've got five of the six top passers in the nation and six of the top ten receivers. Is that kind of a sign of the times, or in your mind, are there just that many playmakers, you know, among the wide receivers and tight ends in this league? Well, I, I think that there are a lot of playmakers in this league. Um, I do think this is a really good year for quarterbacks. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in our league, uh, and Matt certainly is one of them. I mean, he's played really, really well in the first two games, and, um, you know, he hurts people with his feet, extends plays, makes a lot of explosive plays, very accurate with the ball, does a great job of sort of executing their offense, you know, with the RPOs and the reads that he makes. Um, so, and I know that there's several other very good quarterbacks. We just played one, um, I think, this last week, you know, from Texas A&M. So, um, even the, the two guys that played at Missouri were very effective players. So I think there's there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the league this year. And uh, I think if you have a quarterback in college football, uh, you're always going to have a chance to, to score points. And uh, that's why I think a lot of points have been scored so far this year. Yeah, earlier this fall, you talked about Mac Jones kind of holding on to mistakes and not letting that go in his mind. And he kind of responded well to the uh, to the interception he threw. What have you seen from him in that regard of just being able to kind of shake off uh, when he does make a mistake? Yeah, well, Max matured, you know, in, in that. And I think he's a lot more confident now. I think he knows what he has to do to stay focused and play the next play. Uh, and he's, you know, he's played within himself very well in the first two games. And uh, that's something that we want him to continue to do. So, um, and I was I was pleased with the way he responded you know, after the tip ball interception. Um, you know, on on uh, Saturday, so and I think the more you understand that when things don't go well, there's good opportunities to learn and grow, uh, and I certainly think that Mac has done that uh, as he's progressed in these last three or four games that he's played in. You touched on the receivers for Ole Miss before, but just specific to Elijah Moore, he, he leads the country right now in, in yards per game. Just what sort of challenges he present and how does he stack up against the other receivers you'll see the rest of the season? Uh, but he's a very good player. He's very quick, very explosive, uh, very sudden, has a burst. Uh, he's hard to tackle, even though he's sort of not a great big guy. He's very well put together. Um, and he's hard to cover so and um it's going to be a matchup that we have to pay a lot of attention to in this game all right Shane so you know I I really liked what uh, Saban had to say here because that is one thing I have been critical of Mac Jones in the past but you remember obviously the Iron Bowl where he threw the two pick sixes 
But, I mean, that guy just got right back on the field and engineered touchdown drives. He did it last weekend when he got some pressure and Texas A&M intercepted it, nearly returned it for a touchdown. They ended up scoring right away, but it just didn't phase Mac Jones. And I think, um, aside from his deep ball, which has been outstanding this year, just his presence and his you know unflappability, if that's even a word, I think that's kind of Mac Jones's uh, best attribute right now. No, oh, yeah, no, he's he's legit, and he he's not just a fill-in either. He's he is he's probably one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC right now, mm-hmm. and you know it helps that he has tremendous weapons around him. But you know he's also made some fantastic throws, some fantastic reads uh, through two games. So um, I, I'm I'm very impressed with with what he's what what he's been able to do. Now the the rest of the stuff you could just trash it that was just coach speak 101 right there you know what i'm saying i mean did you hear it it was like and those uh those two missouri quarterbacks yeah they were fantastic and uh holinsky he's good oh coach he's not starting oh who's there calling him oh he's great too you know it's like they got a quarterback they can put points up it's like what what are you doing nick you know it's like <laughs> it's just there was not there i gotta be honest there wasn't a ton of nick saving comments to grab for one one guy asked him about uh why he moves around the tight end so much. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> we got six questions we can ask it. That's all. That's one of them. So yeah, we're all afraid of them still. Man. Yeah. I don't want to piss Papa off. So my, I love it. I love it. And I hope it's a ball game, man. Uh, that's something Alabama hasn't had yet, but I, I truly think they got to, um, Alabama is one of those teams that sometimes they just, they just they they get in that mindset that they can't be touched and and sometimes they just need a humble game and and who knows maybe it maybe it is old miss you know at least make it exciting for a half so we can you know have some have some good clips after the game so we'll see man i'm mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to this one i'm looking forward to them on the i mean everybody's there's going to be so many pictures of them too uh i hope <laughs> i i just i hope i hope it doesn't disappoint man yeah, you got to know this is uh, this is probably going to be the biggest game, Kiffin's life. I think as a head coach. Well, think about the last time that Kiffin was a head coach in the SEC and faced Alabama. It was a national championship run, and we held. I mean, he was at the Tennessee Vols, and it was a three point game, man, or two point something like it. it came down to a field goal, mm-hmm. and if they if Cody didn't block it, you know, Tennessee would have won that game. So, I mean, that's just. Any given Saturday, and he didn't have a lot of talent. Same thing with Ole Miss. You know, he's got he's got some playmakers down there, but he's still he's still not working with what what he's used to, so or what he wants to mm-hmm. down there in Ole Miss. So it, he's he's found a way to get one and one, and both games he's been competitive. All right, Shane. Last uh, game we're going to preview on this show. Let's jump on down to Gainesville, where Florida. In Texas A&M set to meet in College Station this weekend. You got to feel like the Aggies, their backs are against the wall, just got embarrassed on national television. We got everybody and their mother wondering what in the hell we doing paying Jimbo all this money. And this is uh, just such a weird dynamic because if you recall, Dan Mullen and Jimbo Fisher both got hired the same time. So we're both in year three. We're both at programs you... You know, the fan base is expecting championship caliber teams. And I'm not saying Jimbo's will never get there, but 
certainly very far behind when it comes to what Dan Mullen, it, you know, the progress of his program. Uh, so I don't know how much is on the line here for Texas A&M and the Aggies going into this matchup, do you think? I don't know. You listen to Jimbo, it acts like not too much, you know? <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, damn, I guess we are another year away. So I don't know. He's talking about how young everybody is, and, and that's some of the questions the media is directing. I mean, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe I was expecting too much. Maybe we've been expecting too much. But it's hard to look at the just the the hot i mean it was it was a hot mess when when coach got down there to florida you know i mean mm -hmm. that 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 was not a good program but he was able to turn around now they had some pieces they had some some weapons he was able to work with but it, it was no it, i mean it was not a uh it's not the offense they have now it's not the the team that they have now he had to work on it but you're sitting here watching and and they've been competitive just about every every game they've played so yeah i mean when you're comparing those two you, it's hard not to be frustrated with the development of of texas a&m but but like I said, you're about to hear some clips, and it acts like I mean, there's urgency, but it ain't that much urgency. I guess these guys just got all kinds of money throwing down there. I just yeah. Well, all right. Well, let's just go right to Jimbo. Then he talks about uh, facing Kyle Pitts, just the nightmare matchup he is on how far his program has come along since he got there, and uh, where if this is where he thought it would be going into year three, and then finally on that uh, pass defense that was just torn apart there against Alabama. Sounds like Jimbo's got a picture of Pitts down there in his basement, you know? He's just so excited that he gets to face this unique talent. Jimbo, I want you to talk about Kyle Pitts and the matchup problem that he presents uh, to defenses. Wow. You start off right off the bat, boy. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's so unique. And he's a tight end, but he's a wide out because he can block and do it. I mean, because he has such vertical skills and makes so many contested catches. If you really watch the film, it's not only him getting open, which he gets open, but when he's covered, he's still not covered. His ball skills, and Trask does a really good job, I think one of the best of, of the quarterbacks, throwing the covered guys and throwing them open. And what I mean is putting the ball where they can get it, no one else can get it, and they use the size and length and the ball skills to adjust. It's a combination of Trask and him. But he is a, such a unique talent because his verticality, his versatility move in and out. And, he, I mean, he run, I mean, our tight ends really run well. This guy runs like a wideout. I mean, he has really, really great top-end speed, good accelerations and ball skills. I mean, they'll put him out there and back shoulder fade him, dig him, throw him up. I mean, you know, there's just so many ways he gets the ball. And, I mean, he is. you got to know where he's at and how you match him and, and what goes on. He, he's an extremely, extremely hard matchup. So in what ways do you feel like y'all have made progress to be in the kind of program that you're trying to build here? I mean, one, we expected to win the game. We first got it, we didn't, we didn't expect to win those games. I think our physicality up front and, and the defensive line has become very good. I think even though in the secondary there's still some very good young players in there, older guys, there's some uh, secondary-wise. Uh, our skill guys on offense, we run much better. We're, we got good size coming in. We got some youth. We're creating more plays. We're moving the football consistently. Our young backs, I mean, are going to be really good players, and we're keep getting these young guys in. Our offensive line in that game, we ran the. I mean, we we ran the football well. We didn't have a sack in the game. Had some pressures, but before we had been, you know, dominated up front. At times, we're getting pushed around, knocked around, 
and different things in which we were able to do, sustain drives. Like I said, we had the ball, should have scored four out of seven drives in the first half. We had two touchdowns, missed a field goal, and went on and had a drop ball. And the other times, I thought we had a, I thought we should have got an interference call on one of those. But hey, we'll see on that when we get it back. Uh, could score it in the second half, four straight times going to the red zone. So I mean, the constant movement of the ball defensively up front we got to get the big plays taken care of on defense but I think we're making tons of progress and a lot of our, play, our players that are making that contribution are very young football players how's this coach <laughs> I'm good I'm good Brent I can there see you, you. okay good hey that was along my lines I was going to ask you just kind of big picture stuff are you about where you thought you would be in year three and also do you feel like you need to offer the reminder that the guys you've recruited to this program are still underclassmen well I mean it's not that I'm not trying to prove anything at the end of three years we'll look and see where we are in our valuations of what we need to do we still feel like we have a great recruiting class coming in and what we're doing now we love our young players the older players have gotten better and what we've done uh, so you know we feel in the progress is there but is until you win them all you're never satisfied Till you win every one of them, guys. I mean, and I know that as a coach. I mean, even with the great runs we had at Florida State, I mean, even though I remember being – we won 29 in a row, and I'm not saying it, but I was still not happy. I mean, it's just the things you do. I mean, you know, we have to get there, and we have to learn to play in those games, and we have to play – I'd say the critical plays and critical moments when we matched them, and that's where things you, you know to keep the pressure that the game is there. And we had it there, then we let it slip away again, and we almost and then we come right back on it and then let it slip back away. I mean, but we need to learn that a little quicker, and we need to get that taken care of very quickly. Because I'm not satisfied with anything that's going on as far as you know till you win them all, and that's our goal, and that's why we're here, and we're going to work relentlessly till we do that. I'll teach Travis how to unmute himself next time. Uh, next time I <laughs> he see unmuted. I just must be must be a bad connection. <laughs> Coach, I kind of want to piggyback off what Tyler asked. And when you guys are getting beat deep, is it those mistakes that you can correct in a in a week of practice? Yes, or there are. I mean, you look at why they happened. One was on a double coverage. We were uh, um, we were bracketing in and out. The, the the guy's got to squeeze on the dig more from the outside in when he's playing the dig because the safety is he if he's driving down on it. The other guys he makes a double move. If you give him room to double move you back outside that that nickel, and they've got to help squeeze that pocket to not let that get through as clean. And we got to squeeze it better, not drive as hard. One of them we were in man coverage with Miles, and they're running the corner route. And he's got him covered well. He's pressing the heck out of him, and their feet got tangled up, and he tripped. And I mean, but it can't happen. I mean, you know, you can't let that happen. And the other was a press technique that we didn't get our hands on a guy off the line of scrimmage, and we got to contest the ball and play through it through the hands. Yes, but it's from a technique thing, experience thing. And in those situations, yes, you can. And, and, you, and we've got to work our tails off to get there. All right, Chad, if you're paying this man $75 million and uh, he admits, hey, I don't, we didn't even think we were going to win these games when I got here. It's like, oh, my God. What well, matter if you thought you were going to win or not? You lost by 40 points this week to Alabama. I mean, oh, my God, this is uh, maybe sometimes we overreact to these comments. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we want them to be something and they're not. And maybe this is what they're saying behind closed doors, but I don't think this is the the message you can be sending out after the, you know, it's gotta be like fire and brimstone and, and hell, we gotta, we gotta win this damn thing to turn the narrative around here. But it just, it seems like it's, he's at the damn country club, cutting it up with the guys. Oh, doesn't it? It, it blows my mind. So I don't know if like they got a Chick-fil-A spread down there and, you know, got these guys some milkshakes, get them in a good mood so they don't ask questions. You know what I'm saying? Put a little extra sauce on their nuggets. I, I don't know what's going on, but, the, you know, these these aren't the questions you would get at six other programs in this country right now. You know, if if, if this was a situation we had down there in Tuscaloosa, man, he might be getting fired right now. 
Yeah, let's just, you know what I'm saying? Let's say Alabama was down and out. They they spent all this money to get Jimbo Fisher, and and this is the results you're getting in year three. Man, you're done. You, you know, you're going to get a, a a Bill O'Brien, you know, and just get <laughs> get your ass canned. So uh, you, you do that, at, at, like I said, you, you go down to, to Florida, uh, of all places, the one we're comparing them to. If if if, if the roles were reversed and, and Jimbo came up to, to Gainesville and he's still getting his ass stomped by, by the University of Alabama in year three, then they're going to say, you know what? He's not worth it. We need to get somebody else in here. So, mm-hmm. Or at least at least they would be asking the tough questions, and it just feels like the tough questions weren't getting asked today. Yeah, I tend to agree. And, you know, I, I said it last week. I thought it was kind of a make or break. We've got to see it, and they just fell flat on their face. So if that happens again – Man, I don't know. I just don't know what to make of what's going on because I think the future is, is still bright. But we've got to. There's just you know, go, let's go back to last year. LSU, you lost fifty to seven in the final SEC game, and now we're starting to get these blowouts again. I said it, you know, when that happened. It's time for these blowouts to end. It's one you could lose all these games by one point. I think yeah. at this point, if it's tenure, and I wouldn't even be upset. But it's the no shows that's pissing me off. It's the excuses. That drives me nuts. Here we got, yeah, you've had the opt-outs. We get it. You know, a lot of teams are dealing with that. But then you're, you're getting in here and he's saying, you know what, that that could have been past interference. I'll have to look at the tape. You know what I mean? What kind of – don't make excuses. It shouldn't have came down to that, you know. Did did that cause – I mean, it was okay. So you got one one play that was a, that, that potentially was a, a touchdown. But you still – did they lose by seven, Mike? Because last I checked, they didn't. They mm-hmm. lost by a couple of sevens, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's like, don't, don't make excuses. All right, well, kicking over to the other side of this, let's, uh, you know, talking to Dan Mullen. Now, this is exactly what you want to be hearing because here we got the Gators, we're rolling, we're firing on all cylinders, and Dan Mullen is kind of pissed off that his team's not finishing games. We're only winning by a couple of touchdowns when we should be mm-hmm. winning by a lot more. That's kind of what you want to hear. I don't know. What, what do you what do you think of the all SEC schedule? I mean, it's early again, but I mean, you guys basically swapped out South Alabama in week three for a visit to Kyle Field. Yeah, I mean, and, and nothing against nothing against South Alabama, but Texas A and M's probably a little bit better, uh, you know. And um, I, I think it's going to be a challenge. You know, I, I think obviously when you look at it playing the uh, all SEC schedule, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it makes every game uh, is critical. I think, you know, you, when you're playing in the, in, in the best conference in college football, um, not even really close. Um, and you got to play 10 conference games, right? And everybody else is like playing seven or eight. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it, 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 it certainly is going to lead for a, uh, a challenging year. But you know what? If you're a competitor, uh, I'm a competitor and our guys are competitor. I think our guys are really excited about having the opportunity to play an all-SEC schedule and just every week being a big-time game. How do you teach or coach that killer instinct that you're talking about, that step-on-your-throat mentality? Well, I, I just think it comes from, you know, of, of playing. You know what I mean? It's it is it's getting back into that whole game mindset. You know, it's like, hey, at practice, hey, we got it taught, I got it figured out. I know we got this period. I, I got it, coach. I'm kind of going through the motions. 
you know, and guys looking at the scoreboard saying, okay, 38-14, we got this one kind of in the bag. We're going to, I know we got to keep playing, but let's go through the motions. And, and you can't do that, you know. And um, I, I just think it's a, uh, it's maybe a side effect of everything going on right now, you know, that um, just part of the whole deal. So it's something we talked about this morning as a team. And it's something we talked about that, that it, it comes from practice. It's got to be addressed at practice. It's got to be addressed on how we practice. It's got to be addressed with every aspect and every member of the team of start to finish the effort we give in the looks we give, whether I'm on a scout team or whether, you know, I'm on I'm, I'm a backup or I'm a starter. I mean, it, it's got to start at practice with just that mindset of complete, while we're playing, everything we do, maximum effort and finish. I just want to make sure. Um, so, but the, the follow-up is, do you see this, the cutthroat mentality in this team? I mean, you've had it with obviously a couple championship teams. I'm sure the 14 Mississippi State team. Do you see that with this group? Or are you trying to like... I think it's, I think it's growing. Um, and I don't want to downplay that we don't have it on that point. I think the season and the uniqueness of the season... Um, has led to that, you know? If you would have said in March you think you're going to have that, I would have said yes. And I think everything gone on, I think we're still developing and figuring a lot of things out. And then, hey, how about this? I don't know if you heard this one yet, Shane. I learned this today, but Kyle Trask, do you know what he's named after? Uh, Kyle Trask? Uh-huh. Uh, Kyle, is he named after the field there in Florida? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, at, at Texas A&M, Kyle Field. So oh. his family is a bunch of Aggies. He's from the state of Texas. I believe he's from around Houston. So, I mean, this is another guy that uh, Texas A&M probably could have had. Imagine if they had Kyle Trask and Kellen Mon on their roster. Now they got to face him. But, hey, I just thought that was a little weird tidbit. But uh, like I was saying, Dan Mullen, I mean, they've got – I think this is a little bit of a trap game for the Gators. I really do. Of course, I kind of thought last week maybe – Texas A&M would show up and they didn't, but uh, thoughts on, you know, now that Dan Mullen's kind of out here saying, you know, we're not finishing the games and all this, do you think um, there's any potential here for this to be a trap game for the Gators? Is there not something named Kyle down there in Florida? Uh, I I know it's a, uh, it seems like I saw it when I was watching the game. They're talking about Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask on, and then they said something about the, the stadium. So maybe I was just – I'm not seeing anything. I know it's Ben Hill, but they changed it from – is it Steve, Steve Spurrier field, right? Yeah. Anyway, I guess there's no Kyle, but, yeah. Well, maybe I should have been paying attention to – what's his name there? Okay, what were you saying? What was the question? Found down <laughs> a little rabbit hole there. You know, how big of a potential trap game this is for the Gators. And keep in mind they got LSU – the following weekend. So I don't know. I'm, I'm and, and now you got Dan Mullen here talking about, you know, we got to, we got to play a complete game. I'm not happy with, you know, how we're finishing games. So on the road at Texas A&M, you know, thought thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that potential, of course. Um, I think trap games are going to are be a little harder this year. Just the fact we're playing 10 sec games, but mm-hmm. It, it still could happen, and if you're watching that Alabama game, one thing you noticed was the big plays, 
And one thing Florida has been able to do is make big plays. So they're probably, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they're licking their lips and coming into this thing unprepared. But, you know, one thing that Dan's been able to do is, is you know, get the every, every – I mean, he's in every game. There's not a game you watch and you're like, oh, man, that one was a total blowout. You know, the Florida-Georgia game, you know, that one sort of came down to the wire. Uh, the Florida LSU game last year came down to the wire. So I, I, I expect his teams to be prepared. That's one thing he's shown that he's been able to do. Uh, so I doubt they're going to be overlooking Texas A&M, but because they're still a good ball club. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, um, that's all I got on this one, Shane. You got mm-hmm. anything else before we hop off here? Uh, no, man. I mean, I'm I'm totally. I mean, I'm pumped up about the games this week. Um, I know I said that last week, and I'll probably say it next week. But <laughs> I, I am. I love it. Uh, I've I've already started to get some some hateful tweet from Georgia fans. That's what we signed mm-hmm. up for, Mike. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love it. And and then, like I said, if we lose, which you know, there's a good chance I, I may just mute this bad boy for a few days so that's 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 been my <laughs> that's been my game so but it's not it's not just Tennessee and Georgia it's it's uh, we, here we talk three games right mm-hmm. and uh all three of them can can change the outlook of the SEC so I'm, I'm looking forward to it Mike we got some more content coming later this week got the big three uh coming up after these Monday night football games so I'm looking forward to that uh but that's all I got if you got an iPhone Apple product you know the ratings to review really do help us out and you guys have been awesome I, I just want to say that Mike Mike, uh, a lot of you guys have, have jumped on there, gave us a five-star rating. We read them on Fridays. We'll send you a koozie of your choice, you know, your team color koozies. And uh, it's, a, it's a small sacrifice that, that Mike has to make. Uh, I'd like to say that I make, but I don't do anything. Mike does all the work. <laughs> a newsflash. Shane does nothing. He just shows up and looks pretty. So um, I just... <laughs> I appreciate him. I appreciate you guys taking that effort to give us the ratings and review because that's all we ask, and that really does help us out. Absolutely, Shane. Well said. And like I said, uh, we got more of those coming. So if, you, if you ha- you've been waiting, you're holding back, waiting for this new shipment of koozies, then we're going to put in another order. Uh, and don't forget the rest of the, the SEC. We're not ignoring you. We're waiting for more press conferences to take place on Tuesday. But there's going to be a lot to talk about. I'm excited looking ahead to the upcoming season. This has been the best season so far, I think, of SEC we've ever had. And I I just can't wait for the following weekend. So that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me, Shane. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. I wasn't humping the dog, by the way. (laughs) 